This episode of Talking with TK is presented by Populous for management consulting, leadership frameworks, and employee wellness programs. Visit www.populous.com.au. Guys, welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 59. We've got quite the athlete coming on today. Multi-sport athlete and a real character of both sports in none other than Richie Vass. Richie, he is an MMA fighter. He was in the UFC for a number of years. Also, a quite a you know quite a very good big wave surfer. So, in terms of tackling challenges and really dealing with fear. There's no better person to speak about it than Richie Vass. He's actually been quite impressive. Also, in slight transition, he's been doing a lot of work on the UFC show on Fox Sports. His work's quite impressive. He does have quite the analytical mind as well. So it's really good to see his insights. It's every Thursday. I think it's at 8.30 on Fox Sports, but it's quite a good show. So if you haven't yet, check out his work on there. But in today's episode, we're going to be checking out the origins and growing up in, in Maroubra, how he actually found the surfboard. He grew up with a Czech father and a British mother, so he comes from from quite the diverse sort of background as well. So we're going to just chat to him a little bit about growing up in that sort of culture. He's best friends with one of our former guests, Mark Matthews, and you know if you've listened to Mark's episode, you'll know that you know I think it was about 18 months ago now, he was involved in quite a horrific accident where he was slammed onto the reef and that led to quite the horrific leg, leg, leg injury where he nearly lost his leg. But Richie was actually on the jet ski that day, so he, he witnessed it firsthand and you know it's going to be interesting just to hear the account from his own words. As I did mention, being a UFC fighter and also a big wave surfer, we were getting his opinion on fear. He's also recently became a father, so... I'm really just interested to hear his perspective on his risk tolerance, given what's happened to his best friend now that he's a father. And I guess there's a kind of more that he's got to lose compared to what Richie was 10 years ago. So it's a real interesting chat. We get on to how he found MMA and you know how it was originally through BJJ that he found his way into the sports. And we're also going to talk about the ups and downs of being an MMA fighter, and his goals ahead in his fighting career as well. So it's a bumper episode ahead. So if you're really into your fighting, I've had plenty of fighters on here, plenty of the surfies, surfers as well. So I think if you haven't yet, please go back and check out some of those episodes. A big thank you to everyone tuning in. If it's your first time, you could subscribe for free via iTunes, Stitcher, or you can find it all online at www talkingwithtk.com. Please, if you can, share it with someone that you think would enjoy the episode, whether it's with your family or friends. Tag me on any post on social media. You'll find me on Facebook or Twitter, at TalkingWithTK. And yeah, if you want to connect with me, send me any guest requests or have suggestions for the show, please send them through at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, let's get straight to it, and I introduce my special guest, Richie Vass. All right, guys, my special guest today is Richie Vasilik, a.k.a. Richie Vass. Richie is a talented MMA fighter. He's a big wave surfer, and he's also a very talented analyst on Fox Sports doing UFC (laughs) stuff. Welcome to the show. Richie Thanks, Evans. Thanks, Evans. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. Like I told you before we started, you know, your name is just constantly mentioned in positive, positive things by the likes of if I had Mark Matthews on, Rennie Matua, yeah. Ryan Hipwood, and the boys just absolutely love you. Yeah. So why don't we start with, let's start with the bond with the boys because it seems that, you know, you are a bit of a glue within a group. And yeah, explain how that's happened. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that, I, I was pretty nervous you now when you say my name kept, kept popping up. Um, yeah, stoked to hear that it's uh, for positive reasons. But you look, they're the boys I've grown up with, you know, since we were kids and um, yeah. been on lots of wild adventures with Mark and Hippo in the ocean and grew up with Ren and, you know, trained with him and 
had a lot of fun time partying and, and hanging down at Maroubra as well. So, um, yeah, like, you know, we're really fortunate to grow up where we did down at Maroubra. And obviously, Hippo's from the Gold Coast, but we've known each other for years as well. And just a lot of good times growing up. So, yeah. we've got a lot of, lot of good mates down there. And, uh, you know, still the same bunch of mates I'm hanging around now that, uh, you know, I was when I was 12, 13 years old. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty special. And, um, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Rich, let's start in the present because... You know, you do so much. You know, you've got your fox sports happening. Yeah. You're fighting. You're surfing. You've just became a father ten months ago. Yes. You got your misses. You got your carpet <laughs> business, and you, you tell me that you're, you're a surf lifesaver as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I work at Ramwick uh, Council Lifeguards, so I've done that for, for the first for the last few years. Sorry, um, just as a casual lifeguard. Yeah. So, um, something I've always thought about doing. The opportunity popped up. Try out. Yeah, and, and I, I I got on. So yeah, love doing that. Get to work at the place where you, you grew up and hung out, spend most of your time, and, and great bunch of guys down there. You know, mates that I've grown up with for years as well. So um, enjoying that. That's, that's pretty new. But yeah, you know, my two passions have always been surfing and then and then mixed martial arts a little bit later in life. And you know, I've been fighting professionally now for eleven years. And you know, I, I just got into mixed martial arts as a way to stay fit for for big wave surfing. You know, yeah. I fell in love with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and boxing, and um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And yeah, also just picked up a trade along the way, laying carpet because one of the older boys down the beach. I mean, down in Maroubra, you know, every second bloke's a carpet layer. And um, yeah. one of the boys lost his license when you know he, he when I was about eighteen. He said, "Rich, you want to drive for me?" I just got my piece, so I just fell into that and ended up learning, learning the trade. And I'm stoked to have gotten that along the way yeah, as well. So um, yeah, mate, just been uh, you know, so jack of all trades, master of none. But I like, I like to keep it keep I'm it sure you're good at a few changing. Mates. Yeah. I, uh, I get maybe a little bored with things quickly, so it's good to have a few different options there. Yeah. Is it ever since you were a kid, you've always just had to have your, your hands full? Uh, yeah, I, I probably always had a bit of energy as a kid. You know, yeah. I was always getting in trouble at school for not sitting down and staying still. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy being busy, you know. I mean, if I don't really have anything on the horizon or I'm not active doing something, I, uh, I go a bit stir-crazy and, yeah. and uh, you know, find myself in a bit of mischief, I guess, you know, especially when I was younger. So, um, I mean, that's been a blessing with, with mixed martial arts, you know, is having that date set, that, that, that fight coming up and being motivated and having that, you know, you know that tunnel vision towards something because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like I, I, I really uh, appreciate that and I, I enjoy that direction. Um, and same with big wave surfing, and whether it be work and family now, you know, I like to have a little something just in front of me, you know, a little cherry dangling to, to aim towards. Um, yeah, so that's if I don't, yeah. I, that energy gets you know, put into something else. It's, it's not always uh, <laughs> the best of things. Yeah, yeah. We, I want to explore obviously the fighting and the surfing later in the episode. Yeah. But the first thing I want to talk about is actually because the improvement that I've seen on TV in your analyst work especially over the last 12 months, has been really dramatic. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed it, but your confidence on screen now compared to when you first started is, yeah, well, is just second to none. Like I have become a lot more relaxed you know, yeah. in that environment. Um, I love talking about the sport. I love watching the sport. I love breaking it down. So that's uh, to get the opportunity to sit on the panel with two other guys and, mm. and talk UFC news every week. You know, I, I was stoked. I was over the moon for the opportunity. And, but when I first went in there, you know, all the cameras and lights and you know, knowing which camera to look at and you know, all, like, nervous, not going to stuff up and not mumble... Um, you know, I was yeah probably a little bit sketchy at the start, but yeah. like I get get on really well. Like originally it was Tara Rushton who was the host, and now it's uh, Rob Tarsett, Elvis Sinisic. I just it's just a really good vibe in there. We got on really well, so that made me mix, more relaxed. You, the, the three of you now in there, you get some good conversations going. Yeah, it's on. great. It's we good. have a laugh too. We don't take it yeah. too seriously, and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you know, initially. You know, we, we had a show called The Crew that was on Fuel TV, and we had a yep. good relationship with the guys at, at Foxtel, at Fox Sports, and um, now that's how the sort of opportunity came apart. And the, and the guys from the crew said, "Look, do you want us to get Richie Media trained, you know, um, yeah. for the show?" And they said, "No, no, we want him as is. That's we just, you know, we kind of we just like him so as is." So you didn't know media training. No, and, and that's what kind of helped me relax into the roles because yeah. I, I thought, "Oh, cool, cool. They don't want me to, you know, if I be you know really articulate or have you know, crazy grammar and I'll just, you know, just be that little you know, little punch drunk carpet layer and get on there yeah. and jibber, you know what I mean?" So it's uh, it made me yeah step into it relatively relaxed. And then, you know, with time, I sort of got a bit more comfortable in, in, you know, in front of the camera. And, and like I said, I love talking about the sport, you know. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And, um, yeah, to get in there each week and, and just, you know, talk a bit of shit about it. It's a lot of fun. No, it's great. Have you thought about, like, extending the media career post-fighting? Yeah, I have, actually. You know, and I, I like getting into, like, you know, not just MMA, but, you know, yeah. surfing and, and other sports as well. Like, um, so definitely like to do, do more of that. Uh, I really enjoy it there at UFC Fight Week and Fox. And, um, but, to, you know, to get out there and do more of that stuff, you know, and, and, you know cross a few different sports would be mm. awesome. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, while I'm fighting, it's kind of I want to keep the focus on, you know, on a, prioritise a few things. But, um, look, I, I don't have that many fights left in me. I'm getting towards the end of my career. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something I want to, you know, explore. Yeah, some people are shit scared of public speaking, we both just said, you know, 
compared to some of the stuff that you do, you know, you big wave surfer and you're a fighter, that's some yeah. scary shit just there. Like, compare the three, which one was the actual scariest? Yeah, look, it, it's, 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 uh, it depends how I think about it, you know. Like, it's, if I think about it logically, you know, going out in the middle of the ocean and, you know, getting whipped into waves yeah. that can, you know, kill you and there's no help whatsoever, you know. Um, that's way more dangerous and, you know, it definitely, you know, I'm shit scared of it, but it's that... It's that adrenaline, it's that you know, being shit scared of something that almost makes it attractive as well. I, think, I yeah, guess that's absolutely. why we go on roller coaster rides and watch yeah. scary films, you know. Um, but but you know, like I said, mixed martial arts came in a little bit later in my in my life when I was about sort of early twenties. Yeah. So um, that initially was more scary than the big waves because I've always grown up around the ocean, always loved the, chasing the waves. So I developed some kind of like level of comfort in, in the ocean yeah. even though like you said you look at it logically it's a lot more dangerous I was looking for that comfort when I was stepping into the cage and I, I, I found that with experience and, and even now like I still get shit scared walking in the octagon yep. but uh, you know with experience you know how to handle those nerves and that, that whirlwind of emotions you sort of handle a little bit better so um, yeah but public speaking again too that's just something else but, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have that much experience in that but um, yeah you, you still get that lump in your throat your sweaty palms and you know, oh, you, you're, um, you're shitting yourself before you go out and do, do something like that so they um they all they all get you sweating for different reasons you know yeah you talked about you know finding MMA mm. and you're only in your mid, your early twenties yeah how like did that balance your kind of thing because were you as disciplined before because martial arts is so disciplined yeah no not at all and that, and that's why oh, I'm so grateful that you know I stumbled upon martial arts yeah. and it came into my life because at the time I had no discipline I had no no direction I didn't I could do whatever I want you know I was just at that age where there's no consequence to anything you do, it's mm. all about going as mad as you can, going hard as you can at everything, you know, whether it be surfing, partying, whatever it may be. Um, so to have MMA sort of like, you know, introduced it into that time of my life, I was actually like probably like 18 maybe when I when I was introduced to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. It was Bruno Pano and Alex Pratt. Did they, all the boys do it? Yeah, they, they went to, you know, took it like a duck to water yeah, and, yeah. and it was really fortunate that, um, you know, Marubra, uh, sorry, Bruno and Alex, and they lived in Maruba and they, they yeah. surfed, and obviously that's how they met the boys. And I think it was just like one of the boys asked Alex, like, "What happened to your ears?" And he sort of started talking about jiu-jitsu, and they wanted to know more about it. And the word spread. There's this Brazilian guy down the beach showing us this grappling stuff. He's submitting everyone. Yeah. So we all want to know what it was. Then we started coming to him some classes, and then not long after that, Bruno actually started teaching in uh, Maruba Surf Club. Yeah. So it was right on our doorstep. And it was like 50 of the boys on the mats, you know, all white belts, just going from one end of the room to the other, trying to you know rip each other's arms off. Um, no, so it was awesome to jump in there with your mates. Was, you know, everyone's competitive, and you know Bruno and Alex are awesome coaches. And um, you know we're sitting here now at Alexandra headquarters. Yeah. You know, at one of the many Gracie, um, you know, gyms you know, across Sydney that Bruno and Alex sort of you know sort of founded here. So um, it, it, sports taken off. The boys took to it like a duck to water. And then yeah. I've always loved boxing. You now we had some you know, amazing boxers down in Murrumbah growing up. Like you know Ronnie Reardon was Australian champion, and um, mm-hmm. so we always you know Kobe Adam loved the box. I was in the backyard doing the pads, and then putting. I saw a out, picture of you guys doing yeah, the pads. Like, <laughs> it was spar a little bit after it, so that was all through our teens. So then I got introduced to grappling, you know, and that's what I thought. Oh, I love boxing. I love this grappling. I started competing jiu-jitsu, and I was doing okay with that. And I thought, why not give this, you know, this MMA stuff a go, which is yeah. just kind of you know. Um, you know, filtering its way over to Australia, you know, those VHS tapes of you know, the first UFCs, season. Yeah. looking and go, fuck, that's wild, you know, I don't want to bar that. But then you sort of, you learn individual components of martial arts and you start thinking, okay, maybe I, you know, I will have a go. If I walk in, I freeze up and shit myself, well, then it's not for me, I don't have to go back, you know. Yeah. So that, that was my original approach. But yeah, yeah really grateful it came to my life when it did because I was getting a bit of trouble, like a, a lot of young blokes on the piss and carried yeah. on like a goose, you know. You know, with BJJ, you know, I'm a small bloke. You're a small bloke. But yep. BJJ seems to be a great equaliser, especially when you look at the first UFC and Boys yep. Gracie taking it out. And Perfect he's the example. smallest guy in the actual tournament. Yeah. Is that something and, and, that attracted you to? family actually put Hoist in there knowing that he was like the smallest of the, of yeah, the family, you know, and he true. probably even like the left most He was the runt of the whole... You know, yeah, yeah. He was like the runt of the whole, you know... Exactly. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah Hickson, like, who was like a beast yeah. at the time. They could easily put him in, but they, yeah, they, exactly, they put the runt of the litter yeah. in, uh, knowing that this is going to really show what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is about. It's about like, technique and skill and you know, not always muscle and size. So um, being a smaller guy, like you said, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, I've always been competitive too, so I started competing straight away in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, like I said, it was just, it was really... Because I was, I was super focused at the time on big wave surfing. You know, mm. I said, like, with Mark Matthews and Kobe Abbott leading the charge from Maruba and becoming some of the best big wave surfers in the world, I, I want to jump under their wing and, and we were travelling all the time, chasing waves all over Oz and, you know, Tahiti, Hawaii. And I was focused on that and I was super determined to make a career out of it. Yeah. But 
that still meant I could go get blind drunk from you know Monday to Sunday each weekend, and, and then when a swell comes, just have a couple of days off the piss, and you're sweet. You know, it is not that discipline where you know, martial arts bring your life, where it's like a clean lifestyle yeah. uh, all year round. So, um, you know, that was the difference. I, I was still motivated and you know wanted had goals and wanted to achieve stuff in surfing, but it, it was the introduction of martial arts that really changed my lifestyle. You know, and then and it complemented surfing as well. Like it just. It, the, the positive effects of that just went through all, you know, throughout all aspects of my life, and um, yeah, martial arts and surfing just are such a great um, marriage. You know, they just really yeah, bounce off each other well. So, uh, been very fortunate. Yeah, Rich. You know, you mentioned you getting in trouble. Well, obviously, that's what ten years ago now. But was yeah. that kind of the point that made or break was going to make or break Richie Bass? Yeah, I really, I, yeah, I think it, it very much was. At the time, I just had a few fights in martial arts, mm. in mixed martial arts, and uh, I'd won them both. Uh, I'd been surfing, you know, professionally or big wave surfing professionally for a few years, and things were just starting to like snowball. I just signed a deal with a brand called Jet Pilot, and they, you know, were sort of paying me enough to not really have to work as hard as I was. You know, they were paying me, mm. a, you, know, you know, a few grand a year, which allowed me just to travel and, you know. Do a bit of work on the side, but I could really focus on on the surfing side of things. So I was really stoked with that. You know, finally a, a brand backing me, you know, to sure. try and follow my, my dreams. And um, and then, yeah, I was actually up on the Gold Coast because uh, my trainer at the time, Alex Pratt, who also not went from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu into mixed martial arts yep. as well, he was fighting on the Gold Coast. Um, happened to be the same weekend that Mick Fanning was coming home from winning his first world title. I had a bunch of mates on the Gold Coast, Ryan Hoot with all the boys, and um, <laughs> we went out a few beers. Obviously, I was always yeah, if you go have a few beers, I've always got to take it to excess and carry mm. on like a goose. And I, um, you know, I guess that small man syndrome, everything, I've got to do everything more than everyone else, you know what I mean? That's probably why I got into martial arts, mixed martial arts and surfing big waves, I had that little chip on my shoulder, you yeah. know? So <laughs> it's been a blessing and a curse. But yeah, that night just spiraled out of control. I got into a fight at the pub, um, woke up with a sore head, thought nothing of it. And then a few months later, I was called into Maroo Police Station, um, not knowing what it was about whatsoever yeah. after work. Walked in and said, yeah, good day, my name's Richie Vaslick. I heard Officer So-and-so was looking for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, here I am, what's up? And then straight into a cell, wow. straight into like a five-day again, uh, de- de- deported back to, extradited back to Queensland and, uh, and realising that, you know, in that fight I'd hit someone, they had a broken jaw and now they're pressing charges, you know, a grievous body t- harm charges. So, so you didn't even was, remember the incident? Nah, well, I, I don't remember the fight, but I just don't remember the details of it, you know? Yeah. I know that, yeah, I got caught, so I got an argument with some guys inside, got caught out the front. I got towed up initially, then some of my mates ran out to help me out bit of a brawl ensued and then um wow. yeah i kind of uh the coppers came we were kind of split and then i oh, yeah just woke up in the morning so sort of, it was and at that time it was it was not really sort of it wasn't uncommon really you know to go out and get on a scuffle at night and the times are different then too you could kind of do that and then wake up and not think any of it where Especially obviously the gold coast too yeah yeah but and these days obviously there's a camera every corner everyone's got a phone like yep. and, and it's great that's not happening anymore like, i'm not saying that what we did was was good at all but at that age, she was young. I was, I was stupid, and I, I just thought that's how you went out and proved yourself as a bloke. Or, you know, as a man, you go out and if someone says something, you don't back down. You, you know, you get on a scuffle. Mm. So, um, yeah, I didn't think any of it until obviously I got caught in the police station, wow. found out the details of how the night, how it all panned out, and the, you know the injuries that were sustained by some people in it. And um, yeah, I got handcuffed and, and marched around Sydney uh, cells for a while until I got extradited back to Queensland and had to face the music. You know, so that was, yeah. Looking back now, it was most definitely a blessing in disguise. You know, what I mean, it was still one of my least proud moments of my life. But without learning the lessons that it taught me through the you know the ensuing months and the court case and and whatnot, and I was, like I said, I just signed with Jeff Pollock, who were backing me, so I didn't have to work and I could just surf. You know, that potential losing all that. I was undefeated at martial arts. I was like three and zero. I was getting more opportunities as a fighter. Yeah. Um, and the Brad Boys doco had just come out, so that was kind of like, a, you know, at the time the, the media jumped on that and said, "Now I'm a professional fighter." So, yeah, you know, it, uh, it was a it was a crazy time. You know, the media kind of smashed me a little bit. You know, and I guess deservedly so. Like, you know, I, I carried on like a mug. Uh, but it was definitely a, a point in time. Where I was like, if I, if I don't change my lifestyle I don't you know I've got some opportunities great opportunities lying in front of me mm. but if I don't pull my head in and you know and um, and change stuff I, I, I won't I won't come close to achieving anything Absolutely. I want in either sport and and apart from that I was tearing up my family my mum my mum was gutted my old man was upset um, you must have some great support but to get you through that period of time yeah it was and, and again it sort of you know luckily like I had such good mates down the beach to support me my family were amazing even though you know it was tearing my mum up she was there to support me and back me 100 um as was my dad and the rest of my family um 
So it was uh, yeah, it, it, it was a crazy time, but look, like I said, looking back, if I hadn't have learned that lesson then, you know, um, it may have come later in life where it could have been a lot more, I guess, uh, costly, and you yeah. know, yeah, I would have. Um, I'm, I'm glad I learned those lessons when I did. That's for sure. You know? How long did the whole process take, Rich? It took about eight months. Yeah, yeah. About eight months, and probably up to like 35, 40 grand in lawyers' fees and all that kind of stuff. So at that time, did they give you bail? Yeah, uh, I was on bail. Yeah, my mum had to put up a unit, and then um, I had to report to police twice a week as well. Wow. The whole time we're going through court, so it, it was just put up. Yeah. For someone who has just love the freedom of travelling wherever you want, chasing waves. Every time I wanted, I could still do surf trips. But to go in and get my lawyers to speak to the you know, the police or whatever, and say he's gone down to Shipston so for for two days to be back, that was a costly. I, I, at the time, I didn't realise a phone call to the lawyers was going to cost me five hundred bucks. And I was just making yeah. them like, I want to go here tomorrow. I want to go here. Okay, next week I might be going to you know, Western Australia. And, he's the invoice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I was um, I was you know, still like carpet at the time and that's what also happened. I, I just sort of you know, I thought I don't have to lay as much carpet now I can just put the tools down for a bit just chase yeah. waves take fights you know, make a little bit of coin off the fights and I've just lived that lifestyle I've always wanted and just really focus on my passions you know what I mean but then all of a sudden like, I've got to pay these lawyer bills so I've got to get back on the tools and everything I earned just went straight to the lawyers so it was a um, yeah it, it was a learning curve and, and like I said I actually looking back think, you know, it, it's really helped shape me you know, if I'm happy where I'm at now in life well, I've got to be grateful for the Everything that's led me here too, so yeah. yeah, it wasn't wasn't the most enjoyable process, but yeah, I'm glad it happened in a way. Yeah. Guys, just a quick break in the show. I just wanted to give you a preview of our next guest, which is big wave surfer Ryan Hipwood, and here is a little preview from the show. Um, yeah, so you know, obviously the worst thing you can do in surfing big waves is panic, and um, I was just way out of my depth, and you know, end up panicking because I got caught inside, and you know. Once you panic, you, your breath hole gets thrown out the window a bit, and you know if you know looking back at it now, I can just laugh at it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> at the time, you know, I thought literally, I thought I was going to die. So if you're well into your surfing, I've had plenty on the podcast. As I did mention at the top of the show, Mark Matthews. That's a great episode that I brought out. We also had Mark Ocalupo on the show. We're also in coming episodes, Luke Egan and also Joel Parkinson will be making appearances. So don't miss any episodes. Please subscribe for free to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, or you'll find all the episode guides and players on the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. If you want to connect with me, easiest way is probably Twitter or Facebook. My handle is at TalkingWithTK. All right, let's get back to it. What do you have to do? Because right now you're such a chilled dude, do you know what I mean? And everyone yeah. I speak to you, they say you're such a chilled dude. But to get to that point... There must be some changes that you had to make. Like, how did you kind of curb that aggression, especially when you were on the actual alcohol? Yeah, I, I it was um, well for one, I just removed my plate myself from the places where I was finding myself in trouble. You know, what I mean, I um, I wasn't in you know some club at four thirty in the morning. Um, yeah. you know, I wasn't getting you know full to my eyelids of piss, and you know, and just. So that was initially, and, and like I put focus obviously on training and, and fighting and, and living cleaner. Yeah. So not finding myself in those environments, obviously the chance of it happening again is a lot less. And then I just slowly slowed the drinking down mm. because it would affect my training. I wouldn't feel fresh all, all through the week, you know what I mean? Um, I know if I had a big weekend, like I wouldn't come good to Wednesday, and then yeah, I'd just be going to training. I'd be wasting my training partner's time. I'd be wasting my coach's time. So so I just started to realise, you know, that yeah, I'm feeling better without it. Um, and I, I was, you know, I was occupying my time. Like I said, I had that cherry in front of me too with goals yeah. I'd set, you know, fights coming up, chasing waves with Mark and Kobe. Um, and I, I was just motivated and had things to to, um, to focus my, my energy on, you know. Which, you know and, and slowly I started to realise, like, I don't need to go in the piss. And I didn't have to do that to prove to anyone that, you know, that you're my mate, like, I could say no to a beer. My mates understood it. Like, I just, yeah, you know, you felt yeah. like at that time, like, it's nice to have a beer. Yeah, yeah, and like at the time it was, it was funny too because like they, after the course, after a while I was going through it, the boys were like, oh, don't worry, come on, let's have a beer, forget about it, Dan. And that's kind of like looking back, like that's kind of shit that got me in the trouble yeah. in the first place. So, and then the boys started to understand; they could see how motivated I was at, with fighting and, and everything else. And and um, so you know they sort of understood too. Okay, well let's not drag me on the piss because exactly. you know we kind of like so that, that that was awesome too. And like it was a it was a funny one to sort of sit back and like work out how I got in trouble in the first place just because you know and then, and then your mates are trying to 
you know, take your mind off it by um, you know, going out for a beer. But they all meant the best, and uh, it took a while to work you know, to work why that that kind of yeah. circle kept happening. Growing, you know what yeah. I mean? Because it's I was getting growing up here though, but like, unfortunately, someone got hurt, and yeah. you regret that. But all of the stuff that we all do as we grow up, we don't regret because it ended up being that helping us become the people that we are. Today. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. And um, yeah, I just learned. That, yeah, I sort of didn't have to keep trying to impress people. I was just I could just do my own thing and. Um, and, and just yeah, just just chilled out. Like I didn't have to. Like, I chipped my shoulder slowly, slowly you know, it got smaller and smaller yeah. until I, until I just realised, you know, fuck, he just it, it, all that sort of idea of that, you know, I guess that young testosterone coming through my teens and like yeah. all I thought I had to do to show that you're becoming a man and like to impress your mates, impress your peers, and you know, it's like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah. yeah. How's, how's fatherhood treated you? Fatherhood's wild. Yeah, it's it, it's it's awesome. It's um, it's. Little Grace Lee, she's an absolute gem. Yeah. She's um, she's Daddy's been, girl. Been, yeah, yeah. She uh, she's got me wrapped around a little finger for sure. But um, I think she, yeah, she's been pretty kind to myself and mum. And mum does obviously most of the hard work, which I you know, I think as a dad, you sort of you really appreciate what your mother's done for you and yeah. what yeah, my wife's doing for Grace because they it's amazing what they do. Um, Has it opened but, up your thoughts, just reflections and different things that you never thought you would think about before? Um. Not so much on myself, but mm. like, I, in a way, like I want to be like more of a provider and like you know, living the lifestyle of chasing waves and taking fights and everything's been about me and like my week is all about me. I've got to be at this training session. If a swell pops up, I'm dropping stuff. I'm chasing as well. Like, yeah. it's a very selfish lifestyle, you know. And it's got to be to, to be successful in in those areas. But now, like, you know, being selfish as a dad is it's a pretty hard thing. So I've had to learn a few lessons too. Like, it's not all about me anymore. And um, you know, she's the centre of my universe, so she comes first and, and trying to help the family, help the wife, and provide more too. Like, I, I was always happy to, to get by on the smell of an oily rag, you know, from week to week. I didn't yeah. need to earn anything as long as I had a little, you know, money for food and could like, maybe, you know, drop stuff and go on a surf, a surf trip when, when the swell yeah. popped up. Um, you know, and that's the great thing about fighting as well. Like, I was training so much, I was eating all my food at home, like, you know, I was living like a monk, so, like, it helped me put the m- money away. So I didn't, I never had this idea I want to earn millions and millions, you know. Mm. But now, obviously, with with a kid and, and a family, you want to try and be that provider. That's I think, obviously that's that's my role as a dad. Like I can't breastfeed, I can't do all that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try and uh, you know, earn a bit of bread. And um, yeah, but I, I just sit there and stare and I go, I wonder what she's gonna do as she grows up. You know, what's her passion gonna be? What's she gonna be academic? Is she gonna love sport, music? I don't know. Like, and just what what we, what are we gonna get up to as you grow older? You know, I guess she that's the marvelous she, thing about parenthood, isn't it? Yeah, just staring at and she's coming out of shell now. She's ten months. So she's getting, uh, you know, she's she's real cheeky. She's giggling, laughing. You know, she's getting up to like mischief at home. She knows she's being like a little <laughs> getting into stuff and looking back. So I'm uh, really getting a, a feel for her character now, you know. And uh, me and her are definitely bonding a lot more. And then we obviously the first six months, I think it's pretty tough for the dads in terms oh, yeah. of making that connection with the kid. You know, it's naturally there for the mum. But as they get older now, they start to sort of say data and they can like communicate a bit more and crawl around. And That's cool. It's, uh, it's yeah, at the moment, it's, it's an awesome, awesome stage. Yeah, with you having Grace now, and you know, Mark getting injured nearly losing his leg is your best friend yeah considering what you do as a big wave surfer yep. and as a fighter and the amount of risk that you take to actually do pursue those activities yeah those two events that have just happened kind of in this last two years has that changed your outlook toward towards your own risk adversity to what you do it has a little bit and i think just to be maturing and you know, becoming having more responsibilities and then you kind of start to assess things a little differently but I've also been conscious of not worrying about it because I feel like if you focus on not getting injured you get, you mm. get injured more um, but definitely like you know obviously when Mark did his knee and, and the extent of that injury and how close he came like you know it, that was just such a crazy injury and something that looked so insignificant at the time you mm. know from the wipers that he, he's had popped up laughing this one I watched I was staring in the barrel, at barrel as he fell and it was just such an unspectacular wipeout for Mark, you know. Did you know straight away that something was different? Well, he, he had just got back in the water from a crazy shoulder injury, you know. He, yeah. They called it a shoulder explosion, so not just a dislocation, had done all the bones in there as well and tore everything off the bones. So he was just getting back in the water after a year of rehabbing that. Yeah. So once I heard, I was on the jet ski, and once I heard yelling from the impact zone, like, I thought, fuck, he's done his shoulder again, you know. That's straight away. So, fuck. So I've darted in there, and first he says, it's my leg, I broke my leg, I broke my leg. 
So I was like, fuck, in one light. I was like, fuck, oh, sweet, he hasn't done his shoulder. I, I, that was, at the time, it was such a hectic, hectic injury. Yeah. It was such a long rehab. I was like, fuck, sweet, well, he hasn't done his shoulder. Dragged him up on the sled and you could see his leg was kind of formed. You know, with a wetsuit on, you could see what didn't look right. It was misshaped. Yeah. But I thought maybe it's a knee dislocation or something. I thought broken legs, bad, but it's fucking, yeah. A lot of mates have had broken legs before. Yeah. And then, um, you know, obviously he was in a lot of pain. We got him ashore. The paramedics from down Ulladulla, we down like just past Batman's Bay, Kyola boat ramp there. They did an amazing job of picking up that he had no blood flow to his foot, he had no feeling in his foot. So yeah. they realised that the artery in the knee had been compromised and the nerves had been damaged. So they had to try and heal. Oh, mate, it was crazy. They they pumped him full of drugs and more morphine, ketamine. All of a sudden, Mark was on the time of his life. He was on a journey talking to Joe Rogan about something because we were listening to podcasts on the way down yeah, there, yeah. driving down. So he was cacking himself about shit. Paramedics were trying to like straighten his leg to release that artery so he gets some blood flow to his foot oh, and luckily they, they got on it because they said like you know that muscles don't receive blood for a while they start to die and you can lose your legs so they got the helicopter in and he was just whisked off to uh, Canberra Hospital so yeah it, it was great and yeah I definitely came back with it was just like my stomach was in a knot and I was starting to think yeah you know, I've got a, a kid on the way and they, those thoughts did go through my head you mm-hmm. know if I wasn't if I was was to be able to provide, yeah, what what do you do? You know what I mean? Like me and the missus just bought a unit too, and like it was just like all these responsibilities. So it, it was, but then like I, I was also conscious. Like fuck, don't focus on that. Don't think like like I. Mark has had so many injuries. I never saw it uh, change the way you approach big waves. Yeah, you yeah. get more sort of calculated, and you think you know you you try to be. Yeah, a bit more. You know, you, you do have a bit of a risk assessment. Like, you know, when I was growing up from my teens and early 20s, like, I didn't give a fuck if I got injured. Because of, because yeah. I, I, if I got injured and I was on the sidelines, it doesn't matter. I didn't have any, just any bills to pay. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and that approach, I never got injured. You know what I mean? I was just fucking throwing myself over the falls on anything, just whatever. Like, going, like it was just, did not give a fuck if I got injured and just never got injured, you know? Mm. And then as soon as you, I, had an, I had an injury, I was like, oh, fuck, that sucks. And then so I was like, oh, fuck. I don't want to hurt that again and they got another injury you know? and just and then yeah so I, I didn't want to like fucking, uh, change the way I approached fighting or, or serving big ways too yeah. much um, but you know yeah I, I did t- t- tone it back a little bit in like the not give a fuck attitude you know mm. what I mean because now obviously you do give a fuck and you try to think, look at things differently and you know, I guess you don't you don't know until you know like so I didn't know about getting injured I didn't know the, the consequences of getting injured until it actually happens to you or you witness it to a close friend you know so that's yeah it's um a little bit, yeah. It's maybe yeah. maybe sort of think of things a little differently, but uh, not to the point where if I'm out in the ocean, that's my sole focus is not getting injured. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you go out for a surf, you're like, don't get injured, don't get injured. You're gonna you're gonna paddle in the wave, half hesitate, or do yeah. something. Like, and that little bit of hesitation is gonna cause you, you know, um, yeah, it's not gonna not gonna do you any favors. So yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And to see Mark do what he's doing now, and he's back in the water, and you know, that's he's amazing, he's been busy going, traveling the world with with his speaking. He just stayed so positive through it, you know. What I mean, I'm not saying like, of course, it wasn't dark times, and like yeah, it was just because it was just such a horrible injury. Like I can't even explain, that, you know, what he's gone through, and obviously to his, you know, what he does for for a living, his his, his passion, what he's done since he could crawl, you know, yeah. has been threatened, and um, yeah, but he's he's still out there with a smile and, and you know doing what he does. So it's uh, that was something I still think about. Like uh, that, it spins me out, you know, yeah. how that all unfolded and. Yeah, yes, you never know, and, that, and that's also the thing too. It's like you could fall on a fifty-foot wave, put, pop up sweet laughing, or you could fall on a little two-foot shore at the beach yeah. and, and break a leg, or you know. So it's like, what you know, you, you, you sort of there is a there is a big element of luck involved as well. Mm. So you can do your best, but then especially out in the ocean, Mother Nature's really you, it's just it's, random, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's going to do what it wants to do with you. you. You can do your best to curb the, the odds in your favour, but yeah. Rick, what's been the worst stack that you've had? Did you ever feel like life threatened at all in the ocean? Um, not so much in the ocean. I've been shit scared, and like, you know, I've been held on, had two wave hold downs, and it's yeah. gone fuck. Um, and there have been like heavy, like Mark again. Obviously, when we were down ships and that neck injury, that was something where I was like, fuck, that's yeah. What would I do in that situation? How would I approach it? And um, but there's been I've had injuries in the surf and. Now when my ball bit through my throat when I was surfing hours, that was something where had I've known at the time how dangerous the nose of my board stabbed me in my throat, um, yeah. And um I didn't realise the extent of it till I got in to the shore and the boys said, Oh shit, there's a hole in your neck and I could feel the blood and actually I went to put my um my hand down my steam in the neck of my steam and my, my finger went in my neck and then 
but I was still like because it, it wasn't particularly painful like, yeah. I felt like I just got like punched under the chin um, until I got to the hospital and they were like mate that object that hit you in the neck was any sharper than those you bought it would have gone straight through your carotid arteries and you wouldn't have got out of the water so I went a little bit white then yeah. so that was probably like one of the dangers but um, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, disclaimed my shoulder surfing and busting my knees but nothing too bad you know where I've just gone it's the hold downs really and hitting mm. the bottom and you know when I like say surfing Tahiti again we were in Tahiti a few years ago that was like I wasn't cared about the hold downs I was, I was you know the, the concern was about getting smashed off the reef and being unconscious you know um, over at the right in WA I, sort of, I got flogged on one and didn't make it to the surface before the second one hit you know and that was another one where you, you know you just sort of there's not a whole lot you do you can't fight the ocean yeah. so I would just try to relax as much as you can and when you get a little break try and make your way to the surface and, and, and yeah that no I was sort of just just handing over like you can't fight it just that helps you relax it helps me relax a little bit you know what I mean you yeah. sort of yeah so, so you can't control too much of it um, so yeah I, thank God I haven't had too, too many instances where I've just like you know been pulled all out of the water blue or not breathing um, or you know anything like that so I've, I've seen a few um, and again it's, it's really nothing that the surf has done it's just the yeah. ocean doing its thing you know what I mean it's, it gets you kind of, you know whenever you go out there like I said whether it's 2-4 or it's 54 you're kind of rolling dice in some respect so yeah yeah Rich, some of the bre- uh, like breath training that you do for your surfing, yeah. has that also helped you with your MMA stuff as well? Uh, mate, certainly. And, like, it's funny because one of my, the, f- the main things I try to focus in the fight is my breathing, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm walking to the cage, I'm just, you know, all the, the world of emotions, you know, there's that fear, anxiety, there's excitement, adrenaline, just focus on your breathing, you know? Just yep. big, deep, big, deep breathing for your nose, slow it all down, that brings the heart rate down, you know, the calmer you are, the, the calmer that I am, the better I fight, the more, you know, Alex Pratt will always say, you know, relax, react. If you're relaxed, you'll mm. be able to react in time and, and see things. So, I always, you know, initially when I started fighting, I was just like, want to come out as pumped as I can, you know what I mean? I, I'd play like a, a, a hectic dance song or, 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 or a Rage Against the Machine track and yeah. I'd, I'd get out there. And, and that worked for me at the time. But then, like, as I'm getting older, I, I do realise I perform better if I'm relaxed and calm. And, you know, the, the, the walkout song is, you know, gone to Citizen Cope now. So, I'm getting more chilled out. But, um, you know, and, and that, you know, that, that breathing, that being able to, Focus on what you can control has been like a major help in, in, in not only my fighting career but surfing and you know yeah. whatever it is. And even at even at times when I'm playing, I'm stressed at home, just to have a cold, deep breath. You know, I mean, or at work or whatever it is, just yeah, you know, it's amazing how much just those simple things can just calm you down. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And just make you think clearer or whatnot. So yeah, the breathing aspect has been. I love spear fishing as well, so yeah. I'm always trying to you know, nice. improve my my lung capacity, my breath holds. Um, you know, Mark introduced me to do a guy on the Gold Coast called Gold Coast called Nam Baldwin, who um who is that's his job is is to get people comfortable. Yeah, Ryan's breathing as well. Yeah, yeah Ryan yeah. does a lot of work with him. He's phenomenal. So we had a day with him and. In this hour or two session that we had, it was just phenomenal to, to what he had you doing. No yeah. way I'll be able to hold my breath for three minutes or, you know, the negative breathing where you blow all the air out your lungs and then go underwater, you know. But um, it's all mental, you know what I mean? Basically, it's all about mind over matter and staying relaxed and calm, keeping all those systems in your body, you know, your heart rate, your breathing, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, in rhythm and and, till, and, mm. and that's so important in fighting because... There's so much of these out of your control. You can't control what your opponent's going to do. You know, you can't control what's going to run out and try and kick your head off or take you down. Yeah. But you can control your breath. You control, you know, how how, how you're feeling, and then whatever happens, you're going to respond. Uh, hopefully, the best in the best way you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, they definitely those crossovers of sports and you know and training has been phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. After losing a couple of fights now at the back end of your career, what are you now? 33? 34. 33. Yeah, yeah. And he looked 33. No, no, no. young. Just another quick break in the show, guys. Last week we had on former Canterbury Bulldogs, Parramatta Eel, and Cronulla Sharks, and he's also an Australian representative in Rennie Matua. It's quite the open and honest chat, and here is a quick preview of the show with Renny Matua. It, it, it went on for 10 months, and it was, it's hard to, I try and explain to people, but I was in, it was almost like a physical pain I was in. Uh, the harder I tried, uh, the, you know, I, I I put so much into things, and I just wasn't getting results. Was it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Dealing with stuff away from the game, 
my body breaking down, you know, not accepting the fact that I was in my 30s by then yeah. uh, and that I couldn't keep up with those 18, 19, 21-year-olds, you know. Um, you know, it, it all came to a head about, I think it was about round 22 against the Broncos and um, throughout, the, but, you know, prior, prior to that, I'd find myself in the changing rooms either being, you know, the, the clown making mm. everyone laugh or I'd get in my car and leave and I'd cry my eyes out the whole way home and I couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, as males, we don't talk about these things. You know, as a leader, as a captain, oh, I didn't want to show any emotion or any weakness. Um, uh, round 22 against the Broncos, I walked off the field, sat in a corner and was just crying uncontrollably and I just didn't know what was going on. I had no idea what, what was happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, and to uh, you know, we flew back to Sydney and um, that... That night, I I uh, tried to take my own life, and um, you know I, I sent out a message to to uh, my sister and my niece and my mother at two in the morning, and um, I didn't expect them to get the message. I didn't know that they'd be awake, and uh, uh, turned my phone off, and um, they rang Willie Tonga, who lived in Homebush. It was still another. Uh, half an hour away from Parramatta, not mm. too far, and he, um, yeah, he got out of bed and, and came straight to to the apartment, and and uh, some things, um, some really strange things. You know, I look back on now, like some doors were unlocked that shouldn't have been unlocked. You know, the apartment was a secure building. You know, the downstairs door was usually locked; that was open. Um, you know, the front door of my house was unlocked. That you know, for Willie to get in, you know, I, he was I wasn't meant to to die yeah. that night. So, guys, please go back and check out that episode if you haven't yet. Please subscribe for free via iTunes, Stitcher, or you can find it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the chat with Richie. What goals do you have now for your fighting career? Mate, I, I just love training still, you know what I mean? Yeah. I love competing. I'm, like I said, is that, is, is that still that, that small man syndrome still creeping in? You know? I just love to compete. <laughs> I love learning. I mean, I mean, there's no other sport in the world that continues to evolve as fast as mixed martial arts. Yeah. And you never come close to knowing it all, you know what I mean? And you, no one ever will. So it's just everything's so changing so quick. It's so fun to, to be a part of it, be the grapp- grappling components or the striking. It's, uh, it's forever changing, and uh, I just love learning the sport, you know what I mean? And then if I'm in the gym training and learning the sport, yeah. I can't help but want to compete, you know what I mean? So I think if I, yeah, so I, I just enjoy, I like my last fight in Japan was the, the most fun preparation I've had. Yep. I felt it was one of my best preparations. I went in there feeling as calm and relaxed as I've done in a lot, long time. Um, I just went in there and the fight was going according to plan I was picking him apart I knew he was a grappler he couldn't take me down then in a little scramble he caught me and um, I've been in a position I've been in a million times before and I, yeah. uh, I was comfortable he had in my back and I had a really naked choke on and I was defending and then I thought it was sweet thought it was sweet until it just slipped under the chin it wasn't sweet you know what I mean so hats off to my opponent and I was, just, I was yeah. gutted because I really felt like um, that, was, yeah, that fight was there to be won for myself and made a mistake and my, my opponent was good enough to capitalise so, but it hasn't you know put a damper on like I don't want to compete anymore I just, that, that's the sport you know I mean, that's why it's yeah. so exciting you can you can be doing so well and then and, 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 um, you know, a slight little mistake and your opponent capitalises and, and the whole game's changed but I just want to the, the, the main thing now with me and, and, and fighting is is finding the time and and, and being selfish again yep. to be able to prepare the way I want to prepare and, and if I can't prepare the way I want to prepare then I won't take fights um so it's just like juggling act. You know, obviously we've been a bit of you know, father now, work opportunities. Um, still trying to find you know that time each week to get the sessions that I need to prepare mm-hmm. the way. So if I can keep doing that, well, I can keep competing. Because physically, even though I've had a few injuries and like there's been moments where the body feels torn apart, at the moment it feels fantastic. You know, mentally I feel better than ever eat too. So um, yeah, the flame's still there to compete. I still love the sport more than ever. And now it's just I've got a little bit more on my plate. I've got to try and yeah. I, I respect the sport enough to know not, you're not going half ass and don't go in just think you know oh, you know fifty percent's good enough or eighty percent's good enough. You've got to really you know focus on that preparation. Mm. So um, 
that that's a little you know, that's the juggling act I've got at the moment. Just trying to work out that, that training week schedule. You know where I could train, you know, twelve to sixteen sessions a week. You know what I mean? I you know that's just not possible for myself anymore yeah. to try and you know, obviously work and and what other commitments I have. Um, but I found, especially the J- Japan fight, I do on six to eight sessions a week, but the quality was still there. Yeah. Um, I felt refreshed because I wasn't overtraining. You know, I mean, I've gone back up to band and weight, so I'm not killing myself to make flyweight. So energy, enthusiasm, I was just the joy was back into training. You know, yep. when I was finding a flyweight, you know, it, it just sucked the joy out of it because like eight ten weeks out, I'm just I'm worried about my weight every every day. You know, and then I'm you know, flat because I'm you know, I'm on a meal plan and all that kind of stuff. It just it just took the joy from from fighting. Now as soon as I'm back up band, I was like, Fuck, I love this shit again. You know yeah. I mean? So um, yeah, as long as I still enjoy training and, and I'm still well, may I. I, that's like, so this will be like I, I still love training so I'm still going to train if I'm training I, I, I'm going to want to compete so yeah, then, you know, I mean, and that changes um, you know we'll see but at the moment you know I've still got a few you know good fights left in me you know, and, and I want to go out there and just compete like I'm not you know, there's a part of me thinking I don't want to go out you know with you know like having my last fight in Japan the way it went out but yeah I, I don't know and there's I don't care I, I just want to go and enjoy that experience yeah, again sure. I want to go get those feelings of walking in the cage and and I just want to put on a performance I know I can, and and then regardless of the result, I'll be happy to walk away from sport whenever I do. But yeah. I just know that. Um, and training with some of the guys I'm training with now, you know, like the old gym that I spent all my MMA career basically at was TP Gym with with Bernardo Treco and Alex Pratt, so the head coaches. We're such a strong team. You know, things have changed, and guys have you know split as coaches and opened their own gyms. For me now, like I don't have that little structured week where mm. I know. Like for pretty much all my career, I knew every day where I was at what time and where I was training and what I was doing. Now it's a little bit of juggling. I still know where I'm getting my, my, my striking, where I get my grappling. Yeah. Um, but to mix it up now with you know, actual MMA sparring, I've been bouncing around different gyms, you know, from ATT out west and um, uh, Martin Ewan and the guys that came at yep. Liverpool. And these guys are like that. There, Martin Newman's fighting for his third world title next year, you know, in one FC. So he's got the featherweight title, he's got the lightweight title, and That's he's got to fight for the bantamweight title. Uh, so, uh, and the guys in ATT, they got a really strong uh, team of guys my size as well, all doing phenomenal in, in their own uh, careers. And I've been bouncing. We've got VT One on Northern Sydney, and you know Alex Volkanovski from down Wollongong. Yeah, We've cross trained with those yeah. guys before. So, and I'm I like I'm still competitive with all these guys. I'm like fuck. At, yeah, that that also like if I was getting beat up in the gym every day by guys, you know what I mean? I think oh maybe I'm th- I, I like to think I'm I, like I could spoil the pride enough and I'm smart enough to go all right. You are 34, you know what I mean? You've been doing this for 11 years now. Yeah. You're getting flogged in the gym. You're not a competitive, you know what I mean? Maybe it's just time to wrap it. But you know, I'm competitive in the gym. I'm like I guess the the sparring's been unreal. So yeah, I think if what I don't, don't want to. I don't want to pull a pin on it and just have regrets the rest of my life, you know what I mean? Mm. I heard Mark Hunt say the other day, he goes, I'm just going to do this till the wheels fall off, you know what I mean? And, and, and but but is the, I, I totally understand where he's coming from. Like, you love it so much. Like, it's just, hard to walk it's away. It's hard to walk away, so just yeah. do it until the wheels fall off and, <laughs> and then and then cross that bridge. But yeah, hopefully the wheels stay on for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a few to wrap up, just a few personality questions. Yep. Let's get this one from Ryan over and done with because I think it might be a bit of a story <laughs> I'll be here, mate. On this bit of a, I, bit think, of a I, think, I think it could be, uh, I've got a little uh, hunch where it could be going from. All right, so apparently, I just wrote this one down. So you guys are out and Philippines. brand new Red Bull uh, jet skis. Oh. And you guys stole the jet skis and nearly wrote them off. He wants to know how that happened. Like, well, we're actually down shipstones actually, yeah. And we didn't like. I threw a little above board. Like, yeah, they're all they were always pretty keen to learn jet skis. I thought. Maybe, I always say maybe. borrow. Actually, you didn't steal it. You borrowed. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyhow, we found ourselves out at shipstones, and it was pumping. It was right. huge. Probably one of the biggest times I've surfed it actually. Um, and like at the very start of the session, we maybe got two waves, and I've gone into the impact zone to grab a hippo or something, and we've. We've gone over the, the rope, you know, and put the the tow rope up into the the propeller. Yeah. So we're starting, we're floating, and we're getting closer and closer to these cliffs, and the set, sets on the horizon. So I jump under the the, the, um, the ski, put my, my feet on the bottom of the ski, and was just yanking on this rope trying to get it out. And um, mate, thank God we had a bit of luck on our side that day because we pulled out just in time, jumped on the ski, and, and just punched it over a few waves before again, you know, exploded on the cliffs. But yeah, I've uh, I've had a few few little mishaps with jet skis I've you know rolled a car coming <laughs> back from Victoria and yeah jet ski was in the back um yeah so me and jet skis we've had a bit of a checkered pass but yeah that one all all sort of panned out okay yeah, yeah. where is your favourite swell 
favourite spot to surf. There's so many. I mean, uh, right here, you know, Cape Slant House. It, it's just a, a world-class way. It was right on our doorstep. You know, I grew up surfing it and, uh, yeah, really, you know, love the spot just for the fond memories. Um, but, uh, mate, all, like, ship turns is it, phenomenal just because it's such a spectacular... It just presents so many unique challenges. You yeah. know what I mean? It's such a beautiful place. I get on... So well with the guys down there, all the Tassie boys, like me and Mark and, and Kobe, we were hitting it on almost every swell from maybe like 2004 through to 2012. You know, I was trying to hit every time it would pop up. Polly and, you know, Marty Paradise and Mikey Brennan, Stewie Gibson, all those guys down there, legends. And, uh, yeah, love going down there just for the simple adventure aspect of it. Yeah. yeah in the middle of, it feels like you're just on the, at the end of the just earth. It's unknown, is it? Yeah. And, and, yeah. You know, and just the waves is phenomenal. You, you never know what the waves are. You've got so many steps in it. Yeah, you know, it can just give you the best hugest cavern of a barrel ever or it can just be like going down a flight of stairs and you know <laughs> into a bottomless pit so um but then also just around the corner from ships and i guess on, the, on wa is is the right you know which has become probably the best big wave slab in the world i don't mm. know anywhere else where you can get a barrel that big square and that that volume of water heating over a reef do you have to be a certain like have a certain number of years under your belt before you tackle something as big as that it's all personal you know someone yeah. can learn to surf yesterday and think oh, i want to hold on to the rope and give it yeah, a go you yeah. know it's like it's uh no it's yeah it's just all up to the individual really you know you yeah. think you're ready to go you're ready to go and, and that confidence issue as is a is a big thing i know some of the best surfers in the world they, they just don't want to bar, bar that way because they, yeah. they're talented enough that to, to you know to do it all and i know some guys who just you know uh, uh, you know, a fraction of the skill level, but it's like, give me the rope, give me the rope, I'm doing it. So, uh, yeah, that's all down to, to the surfer, really. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the, the wave over in WA, the right it, that, again, it's just that sense of adventure going down. You feel like you're at the end of the earth. Yep. You just want to look at these forecasts, get it all lined up, so the winds, you know, are favourable. The, the swells there, it's all doing what it's doing, and then just watching yourself and a couple of good mates just get you know some of the best waves of your life is, um, you know, is, a, is an amazing feeling. So. It's uh, you got so many good spots, and travelling overseas is amazing too. But yeah, yeah. some days you just want to go surf a little two foot beachy too. <laughs> so, For sure. When Dunny Bowl's breaking at North Rubra, nice and easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. I love being out there as well. For sure. All right. Final question. You're yes. going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites, Rich. Now, only rules: no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would you anyone like to dead or alive? Um, I said that is a tough one. Eh? So no <laughs> friends or family. No friends or family, my man. Well, I love the book of Les Darcy, you know, uh, the Mate Lawanda. Yeah. Eddie uh, is such a... What a great awesome, career. Yeah, yeah, and cut, cut short, but I'd love to have you know, someone like him. And just of a totally different generation. You know, he was born in a different world. You know, I was, um, so we'll throw Les Darcy in. Who else will we put in? A few musicians. I'd like Les, maybe... Um, what's the guy out of Coldplay? Chris. Oh, Chris Martin. He, he looks like a pretty funny guy. I'll throw him in there. Yeah, good one. I'm going to be here all day, mate. That's two, isn't it? But, <laughs> um, but I'll, get, I'll throw Hitler in there. I'll get Hitler yeah. just to pick his brain. I, I watched a, a doco on, on that. And just to... Fuck, just to... Oh, I went over to Berlin, just, mate. It was amazing. Some of the history tours we went on. like Yeah. Some of the shit you find out you just didn't know about. Yeah, know, so oh, maybe like a, just a real like, odd character, but just had such an impact on the world, do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and again, maybe on the flip side, um, you know, someone's had such a positive influence in the world, like, you know, maybe like a Martin Luther King or someone, maybe uh, Mother Teresa or yeah, something, yeah. You know, just like Sounds just good. to balance it out. And yeah, then, yeah. Um, who else? Wasn't it? I throw Conor McGregor in there for last. Yeah? Have you yeah, met him before in person? I have, but I've done a live interview with him. Like, yeah. we're in, you know, so, um, and he's, like, off camera too, we had him, we're just chatting, you know, saying, you know. Good cat. He seemed real cool, yeah. yeah. Su- like, super cool guy. He was saying, I love Australia, I'd love to come out there. I'm like, yeah, mate, for sure, you've got plenty of fans there. He goes, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gave him the water, push him into a couple. Um, yeah, so, so I'm sure he'll keep things entertaining. So That's a good selection. Yeah, right? so a little bit of a, a cross-section of you know, characters and, and generations. Oh, I reckon right. the conversation will go, go down a few schooners and, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, for we'll have sure. to keep maybe Connor and Hitler separate, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll punch you on. Well, Rich, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Before I let you leave, I want everyone following Rich. You can find him on Twitter at Richie Vasilik, also on Facebook, same handle, or his Instagram is very active, Richie Bass. Thank you very much, mate. I enjoyed uh, gas bagging. It's every Thursday, I think, 9.30. 
fight yeah, week. Yeah, I think it does change what what other sporting events on. But I think it's a seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock on Fox Sports, and then a nine o'clock on Fox Sports as well. So, yeah, we've got loads coming up. You know, we've got we got Robert Whitaker defending his belt in Perth yeah, uh, in February with Rockhold. That's going to be an amazing fight. So, uh, mate, you Australian MMA is, is on fire at the moment. Or? Yeah, I was just over there last week when they did the press announcement. You did too, yeah. um, so, mate. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal card. And the card's getting stacked now. You've got Tyson Pedro, Tai Tuivasa, Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt, yeah. Uh, you know, Alex Valkalasi's going to be on there. Um, Might be the best card in Australia of all time, really. Mate, for sure. And the first, you know, I think it'll be maybe, definitely one title on the, on the line, maybe even a possible second one. So, um, But just even outside of that, you know, Australian MMA is just doing so well at the moment. For, yeah. for, you know, per capita, the nation's pretty small. Uh, the the talent of fighters is phenomenal. How big is Luke Rockhold in real life? He's probably, I don't know, everyone's huge compared to me. He's like, he's probably 6'3 <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? But he's yeah. just got that real wiry body, like broad shoulders, kind yep. of skinny skinny waist, um, you know, and he's, he's a tall, rangy character, you know what I mean? So when Ro- he and Rob sort of shaped off over there, Rob was a little bit shorter, but like Rob's a really thick set guy, yeah, you know, yeah, from top to the bottom, you know? Um, got like big traps and shoulders. Yeah, big legs, you know? Um, so it's going to be an awesome fight, you know. It's just such a style, interesting stylistic matchup, and uh, I think it's a great fight because Rob's done so well over the last two years. But to be the true champion, I think you've got to beat someone that's been the champion as well. And this absolutely, is a fight, you know, you know. Yeah. and Rob, the way he's got to the belt, yeah, you know, it's, it's such yeah. a credible run, you know, like taking out Romero, Jacare the way he did. You know, what I mean, they were all the number one contenders in the history of that division. Exactly, you know, yeah. like and I, I like Bisping, but the way he got to the title. Yeah, obviously it was for opportunity, you know, injuries and stuff. Yeah. Got in there, mate, one fair and square, you know. If that fight was happened ten times over, I don't think he would play that way again, but he won mm. the title fair and square. Um, and then from there on, he did the best what he could do when he had the title. He picked and chose the fights, you know. Obviously, he wasn't fighting no more contenders, but he was fighting, you know, they uh, interesting fights. Uh, but the way Robbers got there, like he was fighting all the, all the guys that I think that Bisping should have been fighting. Yep. And, you know... Both that the fight against Jacare and Romero is a phenomenal fight. So he's very much the you know, well-deserved champ. Oh, uh, he yeah. beats Rockhold, who'll be yeah, absolutely undisputed. I think on his on his way to holding that belt for a long time. So uh, something I like to see Connor do. I think he should defend some of his belts because I think it's just a, it's just, so. a, just, a, just a, it's a bit of a poor look to win a belt and then not really. Uh, and, and yeah, he's but, really um, just kind of made everything just stagnant hasn't he he's just stalled everything because he's the gatekeeper isn't he yeah you know in a good way too I think for other fighters you know it's, he, he knows his value and he's putting his foot in and so in other in a way because obviously the sport the promotions the USA they do dictate a lot you know they say this is this is what you're getting you know and yeah. that's changed a lot since Connor's come in the game he's so, so known the value of fighters have sort of taken note of that so I think as a whole fighters are getting paid more now and getting you know, pay a little bit more towards what they deserve. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, now that way, it's just like it's just got a, you know, just a, a hold on. Obviously, the featherweight. I'd love to see him fight Max Holloway again. That'd be a phenomenal oh, fight. Phenomenal. Right? Yeah. And then you know, obviously, the lightweight division. You know, whether it be Khabib or Ferguson. You know what I mean? I, I just think it, it's. it's I, think, I think as an athlete, as a competitor, as a fighter, even the fans. To win a title and then not defend it, or yeah, you know, it's, it's just um, it's poor. It, it takes away from that title. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you said, you're not a real champion until you defend the belt. Yeah, uh, you know? especially with boxing pressing, because boxing last year had a lot of good champions fight each other. Yeah, and that was what UFC was doing for a long, long time. The yep. best guys were fighting each other. Yeah, and then all of a sudden last year was a bit of a, a year where it kind of went a little bit away from that, and yeah. you can kind of tell with the ratings and things like that. Definitely, it, it, it did, like like I agree with you. They said that it was always like you know the one, the champion fights number one contender, but it's not really ifs or buts. Dana was like you know, and it was great because you got the best matchups, and uh, now it had like it has got that little bit of I don't know, almost in a way that boxing used to always too much politics. You know what I mean? Always back and forth with the, with the two fighters. Had up records. Yeah, and just and it was a bit of like uncertainty of well, why is this guy getting the shot or why isn't this guy getting the shot? Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, no, it's 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 a. Uh, it's, I think too with the changeover from you know, the other years they, they sold to IMG so the whole yeah. management changes probably things have changed a little bit on how they've always worked but um, yeah 2018 has got a lot of interesting you know, potential in terms yeah. of fight matchups what people want to do and um, no way, better way to start off with Perth in February hell yeah well Rich thanks so much Merry Christmas likewise all Happy the best Year, brother thank and you mate anytime you're, you're welcome on the show anytime man. mate so. love to come back on have the ball absolutely thank thanks, you man. and that guys was Richie Vass If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your family and friends. Tag either myself or Richie or both of us in the post or on either Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode. 
As mentioned, next week we're going to be having another big wave surfer in one of Australia's best in Ryan Hipwood. So don't miss out on that one. We've got plenty of surfers and rugby league players coming up in the in the coming episodes of a recorded with the likes of Luke Egan, Joel Parkinson. We've got plenty of the footy boys just getting lined up for the start of footy season as well. So don't miss any of those episodes. Please subscribe for free via iTunes, Stitcher, or you can also catch all the episode guides and there is players. So you can play it all off if you've got an Android on the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. Connect with me on Twitter or Facebook. I'm at Talking With TK. Or if you want to send me a direct message, I'm. you can get me on email. Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. I'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions you've got for the show or, you know, guest requests, please send them through. I'm always happy to hear them. So, guys, really hope you enjoyed the show. I really, you know, really enjoyed bringing that one to you. And we will catch you next week for Ryan Hipwood.